Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another episode of the Con Hour. And again, it's a dreary day outside, rain out here in the Houston area. But like I said, started a garden, so it definitely helps. And other than that, we had a great interview last night with Katie Kachanis, who just loved everything she had to say. And remember, this next weekend, next Saturday, I'll be at Dagaton. There we go. Adding music to the show. <laughs> next weekend, we'll be at Dagacom. And we'll be conducting a live podcast there. Weekend after that, we'll have C.J. Peterson on, an author, a publisher. She'll be great to have her on as an interview. And the weekend after that, we have D.C. the Brain Supreme from Tag Team, which you all know him from Womp. There it is. So looking forward to that as well. And May 28th, nothing set final yet, but we're probably going to have Comic Palooza with some of their coordinators on here discussing their show coming up in July. But today we have Dan Chris from DKG Games, and we're going to discuss a little bit about creating games and the process and the length of time that it goes to take through with that. So, hey, Dan, how you doing? Hey, how's it going, GM? It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. So on the games, what, what, how would you start out creating a game? Uh, well, it, I mean, it, it, it varies at this point. I've, I've had a lot of game. I, like, I think the last count I had was around 250 different game ideas that I've worked on, you know, various stages, of course, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes it starts out where I'll just have this idea or this theme, you know, like some kind of, like fun idea of like tabletop experiences like oh you know what what you know what would it be like to do this or to do that and so I'll, I'll start coming up with you know working on mechanics that fit that theme and then sometimes i'll just be thinking about you know game mechanics in general and i'll come up with some idea like oh well you know what if this did that and then i think well what kind of thematic setting would that be appropriate to you know to to use for an experience you know but generally, by and large, I just try and make my games, you know, to th I try and think about the immersion of it, you know, like what what the player is going to experience when they're sitting at the table. And a lot of it is storytelling. Would you like to explain some of the story? Uh, you actually have one game that you created that I've seen at Dragon's Lair and a few other places. Would you like to tell about that game a little bit? And uh, Tavern story Masters? behind it? Yes. Sure. Well, you know, Tavern Masters... Uh, is is the first game that we've put out that takes place in my uh, fantasy setting uh which is the world of destiny uh and uh like i actually have a couple of other games i made before that they're just still you know at home you know they haven't gone out to the world yet uh but uh i've always loved fantasy and um so tavern masters was you know to have this idea of this game where uh you know i had actually started with the mechanics on that one first and then a friend of mine had been like, well, you know, what if what if you're like running a tavern, you know, because, you know, we always love role playing. And so, you know, normally a good role playing game, or, well, you know, a classic style story starts out in the tavern, you know, uh, you know, a group of adventurers coming together and a quest falling upon them. So we were like, well, what if you're the one running the tavern instead and you're 
just trying to bring in these adventurers and you know mages and soldiers and thugs and all that stuff and so you know it's kind of worked on that so we'd sit around you know i'd be like okay so what's some some of the stuff you'd expect to see in a tavern in a fantasy world you know oh well there's this oh well there's that you know but um you know so in the game you're you're you know each player's running their own tavern so by day you're buying goods and hiring staff from the tavern deck you know so you could oh i need some uh, you know rock bottom ale it's the cheap ale you know or some elven wine some good wine you know uh and uh and then at night you're drawing patrons and they all have like all the basic patrons have wants like they want ale or they want mead or they want food or any drink uh and so if you have it if you have those things in your tavern you can play them and they give you gold and they go away some of them have likes so maybe they like games or they like entertainers if you have that in your tavern then they'll stay next round you know and they'll keep staying as long as you have that uh and so you you know you're kind of building this engine of making money with these regular customers you know there's also noble patrons you can't play them normally because you know they don't sully themselves with the rabble but uh but if you have certain items like the mutton or the stinky cheese or the aged brandy uh, they allow you to play noble patrons and then noble patrons give you two gold rather than one, you know So but I mean, you know, it's just basic, you know, your basic mercantilism game But you know, it's the fun theme of you know, you have oh well I played elven wine So now these different people that like wine come in look there's a wizard. There's a scholar, you know That kind of thing So are you set like with tabletop gaming where you roll the dice or is it more like card gaming like magic? Uh, well, uh, Tavern Masters is is a card game, and uh, actually, when it comes to magic, uh, it, magic is one of the many inspirations for it. You know, but mostly because, like, if if you played magic, uh, you know, like one of the fun things in magic is to build a deck full of lots of different possibilities of combos. You know, like if I get this card and this card, it does this cool thing. If I get this card and this card and this other card, it does this other cool thing, and so. That's part of the idea behind Tavern Masters is there's just tons of combos you can make, and, but it's all from the same deck. It's not, you know, no, everyone doesn't have their own deck. And so you never know what you're going to draw and have access to, but then you can make combos to make more money and do other cool stuff. And the other thing is, is most of these games are storytelling. And how would you apply that? Like, say, I'm an author and I might be interested in, putting one of my books up as a game. How would we go about doing that if we wanted to get with you? Oh, well, uh, generally, uh, you know, taking some time for me to get to know the lore of the world and to know the, you know, first of all, just the general feel and atmosphere that the world presents, but then to find out, well, okay, so, you know, what experience are you wanting the player to go through? Because, you know, as an author, you know, you're writing the experience you want your your reader to have, you know, you're putting them on the adventure, whether it be first person, third person, whatever, you know, you're 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 directing their experience with words. So I try and find a way to say, okay, well, what experience are you trying to direct them through with words? What journey are you wanting them to take? And then I try and find a way to match that to give the players that kind of journey, you know, so that they feel like a protagonist in your books. That is, of course, unless, for instance, an author wants the antagonist experience for their player or whatever, you know, uh, or even just some kind of spectator thing. But the idea is to figure out what kind of experience you want the player to have and build from there and then try and make sure that the mechanics, like especially with 
like with, with working with an author, I want to make sure that the mechanics fit the theme, not vice versa, you know. I mean, of course, they should both fit each other, but like sometimes, you know, sometimes a game starts with good mechanics and sometimes a game starts with a fun theme. And so for for working with like material that's out there with an IP that someone's working on, you know, the theme has to be the starting place, you know, because you want to make sure to carry across that experience. It doesn't matter whether I think it'd be cool to make a rondel game where you have like a little wheel that, you know, changes every week, you know, or, or I want to make a dice game. That doesn't matter. What matters is the experience. You know, and then let the mechanics interpretate that. Now, a lot of this, I guess you can also add in the comic book aspect because a lot of these games also have the visual effects. Can you explain some of the artist's work or who you might yeah. have for artists? Or Well, I've worked with a number of different really nice artists. Um, uh, initially, the, 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 the base game and the first few expansions were all the same artists, but you know, with, with scheduling and, you know, more, there was more demands on his time. And uh, so, you know, I, I just had to start working with some other artists too, because he was just busy. And, uh, but like, I, I always love, you know, for me, I always love letting the author or the artist, I mean, like kind of, you know, I, I tell them a bit about the world. I tell them a bit about the feeling. Usually if I can, I'll try and find a way to play the game with them. If it, Especially if there's just like, they're doing all the art for it, you know. Uh, but I'll generally kind of tell them a lot of the different, you know, the feel of the setting, and then I'll let them kind of interpret the cards. And if they have any questions, you know, they can, they can always ask me and we can, you know, talk about it. So, so I make sure that like, rather than tell them, okay, well, I want this guy with, to look like this, with this hair and these clothes instead, I'm like, okay, well, you know, you're like, oh, you're drawing a pirate. Well, here's what pirates do in my world. And here's kind of the general subculture of pirates and then i let them kind of interpret it and you know kind of run wild with it every once in a while i'll be like hey can you throw this little thing in here or can you can you can you make this thing do this just you know for certain extra little flavor bits in the world because there's lots of lore to the world already uh and then sometimes i'll i'll take some of the little bits from the art and create special things for the world you know that that gives it more relevance too you know uh so Okay. And the other thing on that is, I mean, everybody's going to have some sort of financial aspect. And I know a lot of people are trying to do Kickstarter right now, which I think Kickstarter, yeah, some are good, some are bad, but it's very hard to self-promote also, especially during these times. Yeah. So how would you finance a project like that? Or how would a person coming up with the idea of the game get with you and finance something like that uh well i mean uh like with kickstarter that you know that that's a, you know one of the good ways to crowdfund you know to, to source something through crowdfunding uh but you know it depends on what you're going for you know with authors and with movie people and stuff like that you know you can come at them with just some ideas and some concepts and a few photos or whatever but you know, the reality for people that are making board games on, on Kickstarter is a bit different because as much as it would be lovely to be that actual thing where, hey, I got this idea, but I need good art and I need this and I need manufacturing, no one's going to pay you for an idea on Kickstarter. Like, you, you at this point, you basically have to have most or all of the art done and basically kind of be ready to go to manufacturing 
because even if you had everything ready and you pressed the button to start manufacturing right then, it's going to take at least two or three months, if not more. Like if they started that moment, if they already had all the files, which is never the case. I mean, you know, like there's, there's always new things that come up in manufacturing, even if you've had it planned for months and months or whatever. And, uh, and so, you know, realistically takes at least a good six months to go, to go from like, okay, here, manufacturing company, go ahead and get it started. Here's the money to, oh, it's just arriving in off the boats, you know, and if it's, if a game takes too long on Kickstarter, people just get up in arms and, and I, I mean, I understand, but it's basically Kickstarter for some people is a pre-order system. You know, when it comes to tabletop games, they treat it like a pre-order rather than like a, hey, we're funding an idea. So, you know, for, for authors and stuff, it's it's kind of a different story than for board game manufacturers, publishers, you know, um, just because there's there's this expectation, you know, it wasn't as bad before, but there's so many games on there now that like it, it there's just a just this plethora of games you know like you know that it's impossible for small guys to really get noticed except if you just happen to hit the right thing and get on board the hype train you know well with something like that would you i guess kickstarter is almost like a, a reward system for the people who back it also do you get oh yeah artwork or the games or both oh, or well I, with with projects like books and movies there you can give away trinkets and like you know staff shirts or whatever you know but with games i mean like i said they basically look at it as a pre-order so if they're pledging on your project unless they're just pledging a few bucks you know they want a copy of the game basically at a cheaper than retail price you know and then of course you know there's the expectation of extras and stuff like that now i love love making promo cards you know i love doing all the little extras and stuff like that so it's not a problem you know it's just uh but with with a game like you you really have to have all the art done and stuff so that means you're paying for art out of pocket you know and when you need you know 30 50 images you know for a game it can it can get a little pricey you know it starts adding up for sure yeah i mean i've got some big games that that like are great solid board games that are just big there's a lot going on with them and, and they've been ready for a couple of years now, at least, but I just haven't been able to put them out yet because it's going to take thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars just for the art, you know. So I just finally started one of those projects recently. As a matter of fact, started getting some of the art in uh, for my game, Lord of the Night, Feast of Blood, where everybody's playing vampires, you know. So, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and But I finally got the art started on that. But I mean, that, that thing's going to need like 60, 70 pieces of art or more uh at least and you know so you know i'm i'm looking at you know about close to 20 grand for just all the art so it's okay. going to take a minute for me to you know oh definitely get it all in well how did you get started in all this well as a kid i i always loved board games uh like uh when, when i was a little kid you know my, i played like monopoly and scrabble with my parents and stuff uh and then in 1986 i think it was this game came out at Toys R Us that I was just smitten with called Fireball Island. And, uh, and I don't know if you've seen it or heard of it or not, but I mean, you know, it's this big, you know, 3D board. It's got these rolling marbles that are fireballs. But, you know, you had cards you could play in it too to affect things. And, and, uh, and, and that kind of always stuck with me. And then years later, when I was like 12 or 13, you know, I got into magic just as magic was getting started. 
uh, back in like the revised era. So, you know, it'd been out for like two years, I think. Um, and, uh, you know, like being able to make your decks and, you know, play with all these different kinds of cards. It was just, it was just cool, you know? And so my friends and I, we started trying to make our own card games. Uh, in fact, the, the one that, that my friend and I worked on the most was called Imperial Colonies. It was kind of a fantasy setting based on ants. So it was like ants, but like, you know, like, oh, here was this swamp area and it was like necrosia, you know, and like, it was basically just like, imagine going into a swampy part of your backyard or, you know, swampy part of a forest, but like, then taking on the micro scale. So it's just this epic, huge, you know, thing, because everyone's an ant, you know, like ant wizards and ant sorcerers and ant soldiers and, you know. <laughs> Watch out but, for those stepping feet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, but we all, I, uh, my friend and I actually also, uh, started like a little, uh, like we started programming on the computer too. So we tried to make our own games on that, but we were just using like QBasic. I think eventually we kind of got into, uh, C++ a bit, but, uh, it never really went very far, but it was something fun to do. And so my love for making games had always been there. And, uh, I think about maybe 12, 13 years ago, maybe a little bit, no, no more than that because it was right after my wife and I got together. So about like almost 16 years ago, uh, you know, we were hanging out. We just, I started coming up with game ideas, you know, and uh, just little stuff here and there. And, uh, you know, eventually I was like, hey, maybe I could, you know, do this, you know, make games. Uh, so I started designing some games and I was looking at talking to publishers about trying to get them out there. And uh, then I realized, you know, I was, I was talking with a friend of mine uh, up in Houston. And you know, he said, well, you know, what do you really, you know, what are you really trying to do here? And I said, well, you know, I, I love making games, but I also want to be able to feed my family. I've been disabled since 2001, uh, not with any help from the government, mind you. So, uh, so I've been trying to find careers and stuff I could do from home. And I was like, well, maybe I could start making games and, but I need to make money. And he said, well, you know, freelancers, you know, they don't really make enough money to really support themselves for the most part, you know, like, there's maybe like three in the world and i said well like what about steve jackson he said well he doesn't count he has his own company like, ah okay so maybe i need to make my own company but you know all the fun of running a business <laughs> so you yeah, know. definitely because i i do know authors actually because you are a small business and yeah it, it takes a lot and you have to get out there and you have to promote yourself and that's one of the biggest things and one of the hardest things can you give examples of how you might promote yourself other than Kickstarter? Sure. Uh, of course, like, I, like I've told you, I've, I've never been great in that area. But, I mean, you know, like starting your own podcast is a great way. Um, or just having, you know, regular casts, or, you know, or audio casts. Uh, and it depends, of course, on like if you're an author, you can do you can do a lot more of the podcast and audio cast because they've got all that lore to talk about and all the, the stories to talk about, you know. Whereas with games, unless you have a bunch of lore in the games, then it's really just more about videos of gameplay. Uh, but, but you know, promotions, uh, you know, going and talking with other people, uh, you know, uh, going to conventions like I know you do. You go to a lot of conventions, you know, and just getting out there and talking to people, meeting people, which has been hard the past year for, for obvious reasons, you know. But, you know, we are coming back into some form of normalcy, you know, hopefully within this year. So... I'm, I'm looking forward to it, you know. Oh, definitely. I think a lot of people are. I do know, like I said, I don't 
know if I said at the beginning of the show or not, but Kilgore is going on right now. That's up near the I-20 Dallas area. And, of course, like I said, I did say this one, Dagacom in Dayton, Texas, next week. And looking forward to that. I got a book signing on May 29th at Copperfield Books, or is that May 20th? I'll have to get the date. I'm pretty sure it's May 29th, whatever that Saturday is. Uh, I mean, it's all it's all coming back for everybody, and that's one of the biggest things that people are starting to get back out, starting to get back out there and show your support for the local businesses, people. I mean, that's one of the big things. They, they had a lot of struggle last year. Yeah. But is there any words of advice that you would give people who might be starting something up, especially at the, during this time? Yeah. Make sure you have a backup plan. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> make sure you have a backup plan, uh, you know, but I mean, really just like anything, uh, you know, being your own boss is, is a double-edged sword, you know, because any success, you know, that you have, yeah, it's on your shoulders. Like you, you made that happen, but any failures, they're also on your shoulders. You made that happen, you know? So, you know, you, you have to take the good with the bad. Uh, I'd say, uh, you know, when you start putting yourself out there too, there's going to be a lot of people commenting and stuff, you know, and praise is great, you know, like take that praise to fuel you, but don't let it make you rest on your laurels. Uh, just as like negative comments and criticism, like take all of it in, take all of it in as much as you can, but at the same time, don't take it personally, you know, like don't let it dissuade you, let it, let it, let it hone you, you know, you got to carve some wood away before you can whittle something out of it. You know, and one of the things that I always say is like you said, take in the negative, use it as fuel, say, okay, this customer likes this, but this one likes that. You're not going to please everybody, but take it in as fuel. And maybe you can find a way to get in the middle. That's one yeah, of the well, biggest things. It's fine tuning. Uh, I mean, for instance, I know that when I first started making games, uh, and putting them out there, you know, like talking to people about them, getting friends and people to come over and play them, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, there would always be a lot of suggestions. And of course, at first, you know, I would let them go in one ear and out the other. So I was like, oh, okay, they clearly just don't understand what this game's about or what I'm going for here. You know, they haven't spent a lot of time on it, so they don't know the ins and outs, you know. But, uh, you know, so it's, it's like being a new parent for the first time. You're very protective of your baby. You know, no one better say anything about your baby. It doesn't matter if it looks like an ugly, wrinkly mess. Like, everyone better say it's pretty, you know. Uh, and, and you know, and as you as you get more into it, you know, as, as I got more into it, you know, made more games and my, my skin toughened up a bit, you know, then it would be like, you know, I'm welcoming comments and I'm taking them in. And, and I'd still, you know, I'd still tell myself, well, but I still know what's best for the game, you know. And, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, you got a toddler and they're going to school now and their teachers are, you know, and, and principals are telling you, oh, well, you know, your kid's kind of lacking in this area. Like, oh, yeah, I, I see where you could see that, but I still know what's best for my toddler, you know. But, you know, then by the time, you know, like for, for me, games are now, it's like college age. It's like, all right, get out the door and see what you can do. <laughs> you know, if you do something good, someone will tell me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but. You know, it's it, it, you just you have to like grow a thick skin and realize that, 
you know, like if someone sits down, I, I can't tell you how many times I've had like some friend, uh, you know, or, or other person sit down and never like not play my game yet. And I'm like, okay, here's my game. And I'm like describing, oh, it's this card game. You do this, you do that. And, and, they'll, and they'll throw something out. They're like, well, why don't you make it about like zombies or why, why don't you make it a dice game? You know, like, I don't know. Why didn't I, you know, but, but then I have to ask myself, I've learned to ask myself, well, why were they expecting that kind of thing? Or what would make them think that that would be more here? You know, then, then I have to think about, well, am, am I presenting my game right? Am I, is the name off-putting to someone? Like, is it making them think that it's something that it's not, you know? Like, so, you know, every bit of criticism has some, you know, kernel in there, some golden nugget of truth. Just dig it out and, you know, learn from it. Well, I know one of the advantages of being an author is you can have beta readers where somebody can actually go and read the book and then they can give you your, your their advice on the book and maybe you can change up a little bit from there or whatnot. Do you have anything like that for the games that you create? Well, yeah, there's alpha testing. Alpha testing is whenever, you know, you bring it around to your friends and family or even to a, you know, a con or to a, an event at a store. Uh, and, you know, you're running the game, you're explaining it to people, and then you get, you know, you get the feedback from that. And then once you feel like you've got it to the point where it's ready to put out there, that's when you start the beta testing, which is when you just put all the components in a box with the rules and everything, and you either let someone borrow it or you ship it to someone or you send it to a reviewer or whatever. And, of course, you know, reviewers don't want beta testing. They want, you know, like prototype products that are coming out. But, I mean, just in general... You know, beta testing is when you send it to someone and you don't tell them anything about it. You just let them read the rules and see if they can figure it out, you know. And then that way that helps you test, well, am I explaining my rules right? Am I explaining the, the theme right? Did I did I carry across the mechanics and how they're supposed to work together, you know, correctly? And then once you've gotten past beta testing and everyone's, you know, pretty uproariously happy with what you got, then you start all the prototyping. Okay, well, how am I going to do the layout of the cards? And, you know, what artists should I find? And... <laughs> you know, just the, the, the all of the pre-production buildup. So it's definitely a long process for the production of getting the game out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the one uh, I, there was an old quote uh, like a long time ago when I first got into it. And, you know, it's, it still holds true. But basically, if you have got a game idea and you've worked out all the mechanics and you've got this great this great theme, you are officially one percent done. Like another 95% of that is playtesting, 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 you know, and then, you know, that last couple of percentages where you're doing all the pre-production and layout and rules, you know, and then marketing. <laughs> Marketing's a big one. Yeah. Now, earlier on the show, I put on your website, dancrisgames.com. That way, if anybody's interested, go check out his stuff. There it is right there. Thank you. Definitely. Do go check it out, see what there is. If you have any ideas for games, how would they get in touch with you? Uh, well, I mean, as far as like game ideas in general, uh, like I've got a ton. But if they're like looking to have me help them make a game, uh, just send me an email. Uh, my email's on the website. If you just like, uh, you know, go to Dan and stuff or contact me through Facebook. You know, our Facebook is, you know, Dan Chris Games. It's on Facebook. Uh, we're, we're on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Pinterest, uh, probably a few other things, too, that I'm just not thinking of right now. 
but yeah i mean just you can contact me through facebook or through my email on the website and uh you know i'll do my best to get back to you <laughs> well I, I know you have a lot going on right now in your life personally but do you plan on hitting the conventions this year going back to them full force next year what's your plan for future well uh the, this year, of course, has all of the external challenges of COVID and all that stuff. And so that's kept some conventions from reopening. Uh, but in my personal life, uh, my wife and I had a new baby girl last July. And mm -hmm. so uh, we're also taking care of my mom who has dementia. So uh, normally, you know, my wife, Crystal, and, and our son, Victor, who's about to turn 12, like they come with me to conventions. And, you know, we, we set up the booth and Crystal runs the booth and I'm out there you know, running the games and stuff like that. And Victor, Victor actually helps run some of the games too. He loves it. And he's great at cons. But now that we have the added responsibility of taking care of mom and she's gotten kind of, you know, it's gotten kind of severe in the dementia, but also she's got to be here with the baby. It means that, you know, I don't have her helping me. I don't have her to run the booth. And then my son, Victor, I, he should stay here too. So he can help her with the baby and mom, you know, whenever, you know, since I'm not here. So it just leaves me to go run the conventions, which is hard because I can't run a booth and run games and go and like talk to people and, and network and stuff like that. Uh, but I have some people that help me from time to time. So uh, I'm going to try and hit a few more conventions this year. But if I do, they're going to be either like big ones that I just managed to get into or, uh, you know, maybe like you know one that i've been to a couple of years and i just want to you know not miss out uh but i think next year you know either either end of this year or next year we're gonna be back to hitting them hard again um and uh in the meantime i'm just gonna be focusing on trying to uh you know build up more of the you know more of our, our marketing angles and stuff so that we can get more word out there about things you know i've got a couple of games in the pipeline that we just had one on Kickstarter. Sadly, it didn't succeed. Uh, again, lack of marketing. But, uh, you know, I'm going to focus on, you know, getting the word out more about that and about our upcoming ones. Uh, and, and just trying to kind of generally get everything else in order, try and get some of my personal life back in line, you know, and get it, you know, kind of resorted out so that we can, you know, come at this, you know, strong again. Uh, but I imagine we'll be more more back in the full convention swing next year. Well, other than your website and, of course, conventions, is there any place around that people can get your game, like comic shops or anything oh, yeah. like that? Uh, there's definitely comic shops that carry our games. Uh, we were in distribution, uh, like worldwide distribution, for a couple of years there. Uh, but when the pandemic happened last year, uh, a lot of the biggest distributors uh, kind of shut their doors for a couple of months. And I was uh, part of a uh, consolidator group uh, who, you know, they kind of act as an agent, so to speak, for small ind independent companies like myself uh, to the big distributors. Uh, and uh, like whenever the big distributors shut up their warehouses for a couple of months, the, the consolidators uh, were like, well, you know, we got to, you know, keep alive. We got to cut down you know, clear some warehouse space, cut down anybody that's not, you know, doing a lot of sales right now. So my games had sold somewhat steadily, but, you know, not a ton because again, marketing. So mm -hmm. they had to let me go. 
So for the past year now, I've been kind of weighing back and forth whether I should just start handling all of the the distribution, even the wholesale and stuff myself, or whether I should just you know call the the the, the distributors directly and say, hey, look, you were carrying my products. Do you still want them? Because you know more and more people have been you know asking like, hey, you know, do y'all carry Tavern Masters and stuff? And they're like, uh, sorry, we're out. <laughs> you know, and so. You know the words been getting around to so i've had comic shops tell me oh you know I've t- i tried to order your games and they're out of stock and so i would tell them well you can order directly from me but you know it's easier for them to order from the distributor because you get the free shipping and all that kind of stuff you know uh, uh, yeah. that's that's just another example of how the pandemic has affected people and yeah it, it has hurt a lot of the small businesses and hopefully they'll be getting back on their feet oh yeah but I do want to say, is there any final words you'd like to give anybody? Oh, well, uh, I mean, you know, it, for, for all of the authors and, and, and just anyone, any dreamer out there, I mean, I, I, I say that we dreamers are a family. We're the things that, you know, keep the world, you know, moving forward in a, in a, in a in more interesting manner, you know. Like, you know, there's tons of room for scientific developments and math and all that stuff. And all that stuff is very important and great for technological advances. But we have to advance our dreams, too. We have to advance, you know, our our you know, dreams give us new ways to think about things. They give us, you know, new ways to approach situations and problems, you know, whether it be like actual dreams or just, you know, daydreaming dreams, like, you know, the things you'd love to see happen in the world. But you know the dreamers are the ones that help progress the uh help progress the the storyline another another bar or two in this grand story we all call life you know um, very true but i do want to end the show today yeah it's a little bit earlier than normal as i'm a little bit tired i got the chemo next week but i would like ask people please subscribe to my youtube channel you can find us on facebook at the con hour and be happy to have you there. Other than that, I would like to say thank you for joining the show and want everybody to have a wonderful weekend. Thanks.